Welcome back to my weekly book review podcast, Unknown Friends. I'm Rochelle Ferguson of Kitty Wham Productions, and today you have tuned in to episode number 15. Quick note, I explained briefly in a post on Facebook as well as on my website, but in case you missed it, I am so sorry that today's episode released a bit late. The past week for me has been unusually full, uh, full of good things, I might add. My sister got married over the weekend. Um, I need a like a cheers and applause sound effect there or something. Uh, and also, I, I have been trying to wrap up a new writing project, so my decks just didn't quite get in their row in as timely a way as usual for this week's podcast episode. So again, my, my apologies for the delay, but thank you for understanding and being patient. All right, so today's episode is a bit special in that I am reviewing two books today instead of only one. If you've been listening for a while, you may remember something similar in episode six. I did a special episode that week featuring two works of Christian nonfiction, Paul Miller's A Praying Life and Jen Wilkins' Women of the Word. This week, I have picked a different genre, a very different genre, but I'm again covering two books in a single episode. Uh, and you already saw the book's titles in the episode title. Three Men in a Boat will be our first book today, and Leave It to Smith, our second. Now, right off the bat, let me just warn you, these books are not deep. They are both comic novels, two prime examples of, I think, the best of classic British humor. Um, and you'll also note in the episode title, I spelled humor the British way to try to do homage to the nation from which these two books sprang. So unlike most episodes where I take time in the second half or so of my review to dig in and explore the meaningful themes of whatever book I'm discussing, today, not so much. <laughs> The purpose of these two works is not primarily to teach, but to delight. And they accomplish that goal very well. And so that's what we'll be looking at. So we'll start with Three Men in a Boat, written in 1889 by the author Jerome K. Jerome. And to give you just the very first taste of this work's humor, let me clarify that I have not yet told you its full title. The actual title is Three Men in a Boat to Say Nothing of the Dog. And, uh, and this book and its title have been played on by writers in later years. Even just two years after this work's publication, a book was published um, by a female author titled Three Women in One Boat. And uh, more recently, just about 20 or 25 years ago, a science fiction writer, Connie Willis, published a novel simply called To Say Nothing of the Dog. And it contains a lot of allusions and nods to Jerome's work. And also not so long ago, a book came out called Three Men Not in a Boat and Most of the Time Without a Dog. <laughs> Which just makes me laugh. Anyway, point being, this this comic work by Jerome K. Jerome has never been out of print 
since its publication and has had remarkably far-reaching effects. Even just during Jerem's lifetime, his book was translated into numerous languages, and it actually became a school textbook in Russia. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Uh, so, so the background for this comic novel. Jerome was born in 1859, and originally the family surname was Clapp, not Jerome. But our author's father, whose first name was Jerome, just like his son, changed their last name to Jerome. I, I don't know why. Uh, so the father's name was now Jerome Clapp Jerome, and his sons became the same. Why do you change your name to so that your surname is the same as your Christian name? I don't know. Uh, but that's what happened. So uh, Jerome K. Jerome grew up with that name. Uh, and more seriously, his family did suffer a lot of financial difficulties, and sadly, his father died when Jerome was just 13, and his mother when he was just 15. Um, Jerome was the youngest child. He had an older brother who unfortunately died quite young, and he had two older sisters uh, named Paulina and Blandina, also great names. Uh, anyway, when when his parents both passed away, Jerome had to leave the school he was attending and try to make a living for himself. He worked for the railway for a few years, for starters. Um, so he had he had a lot of challenges to overcome in his early years. But he had aspirations, and in his late teens, he joined an acting troupe for a few years. Uh, but that didn't make much money at all. So in his 20s, he tried numerous occupations. He tried writing. He tried teaching. He worked, I think, as a clerk for a while. Nothing was proving wildly successful for him so far. Um, but his first publications, which were comic, a memoir and a collection of comic essays, they didn't uh, totally bomb, so that gave him some hope. In 1888, when Jerome was 29, he got married. And I I just love the names in this man's life. His wife went by the nickname Ettie, but her actual full name was Georgina Elizabeth Henrietta Stanley Maris. Like, for real. I, I think that must include her maiden name, as well as probably her first uh, married a name. Jerome was her second husband. Anyway, for their honeymoon, they went boating on the River Thames, and this trip inspired his book, Three Men in a Boat, which is a description of three friends taking a two-week boating holiday on the Thames. So literally as soon as he got home from his honeymoon, he started writing this work, which would eventually be published serially in a magazine called Home Chimes. He first intended the book to actually be a serious uh, travel book, a guide to boating on the Thames with uh, geographical and historical information, uh, information about landmarks and things like that. But Jerome's comic turn just took over the thing. So throughout the work, you still have little remnants of that initial intention. Occasionally, you know, he'll trail on into a, a short descriptive 
passage, even sentimental sometimes, or an educational bit here and there about the signing of the Magna Carta or whatever. Um, but by far and large, this work is just a delightful series of hilarious sketches of everyday life. Sometimes humorous things that happen to the three men as they're on their boating trip. Sometimes digressions into random funny stories that the narrator is, is somehow reminded of. Critics, interestingly, gave Jerome a very hard time about this work, but the public loved the book. They devoured it. It, it was a huge success, and the profits from this publication essentially set Jerome up, and, and he was able afterward to totally dedicate himself to writing, which is what he loved thanks to the financial security that Three Men in a Boat brought him. Uh, I think I already mentioned the book was never out of print since 1889 when it came out, and by the time it had been in circulation for just 20 years, the book had sold over a million copies worldwide. Um, pirated copies were overflowing, especially in America and in Russia, uh, Jerome had to actually write a complaint because in Russia, people were trying to retranslate his book for themselves and sell it, or even just publish totally unrelated works under his name because his name had such uh, clout. I found uh, the letter which Jerome wrote to the Times in 1902 complaining of this situation, and it amuses me so much and, and will give you a glimpse into his uh, style of writing. Here, he's not as hilarious as in Three Men in a Boat, but you can still hear his uh, his dry sense of humor. So I'll read you a paragraph from the complaint he wrote. He describes the interest the Russian public has taken in his writing, and then he says this, Free as the literary temperament is supposed to be of vanity, I confess to some feeling of pride at the honor thus accorded to me. Of late, my gratification has been considerably marred, however, by my powerlessness to prevent the issue of unauthorized translations, which, so I am assured by my Russian friends, are at the best garbled and incorrect, and at the worst more or less original concoctions, of the merits or demerits of which I am entirely innocent, but which, nevertheless, are sold labeled with my name." A batch of these brochures, claiming to be translations from my works, was sent to me a while ago. They bear titles more or less attractive. I quote one or two as specimens. Women I have loved. Lona, Ethel, and I. Strange experiences of a night. My feelings as a respectable British author can be imagined. Here and there, a passage occurs which resembles something of which I may have been guilty. To brand me as responsible for the whole is somewhat unfair. So uh, so that's a, a tiny taste of his writing style, uh, and this is more or less his serious side. So when you get into his comedy in Three Men in a Boat, he just, he makes you laugh out loud. The plot of his book is simple. As I've described, it just follows three friends, Harris, 
George and the narrator who only ever identifies himself with the initial J, so presumably his name is supposed to be Jerome. Harris and George are based on two of Jerome K. Jerome's actual friends. So uh, the three men feel that they need a vacation. They debate where to take it and eventually settle on boating on the Thames. And the book simply tracks their route along the Thames and various uh, mini misadventures they experience, along with quite a lot of anecdotes not directly related to their trip. Jerome shares just random stories about anything and everything. Um, a, a man who acquired a terribly smelly cheese and had to go to absurd lengths to get rid of it. Or a friend who imagines himself to be quite a good singer, but it's actually like torture to listen to him. Uh, he, he comments at length on fishermen and the code of, of how and how much a fisherman can exaggerate his catches when he tells others about them. Jerome just details and develops these little sketches and incidents in his own unique turn of phrase, which is so droll and entertaining. Um, he talks about the randomest things and, and pokes fun at everything, including himself um, and his friends. And so while there's nothing, like I said, deep about the story, it's really just, it's fun from beginning to end. And it's amazing too how funny his stories and jokes are today. Well over a century later, it's really timeless humor, um, though very British. I, I first heard of this book recommended by my old high school creative writing teacher, and he made the comment that every chapter of Three Men in a Boat should be a lesson in British humor. And I think that's very well put. So that is briefly Jerome K. Jerome and his most well-known work. Now, fast forward a couple decades, and let's take a look at my second book for today, Leave It to Smith by the incomparable P.G. Woodhouse. If you have not read any Woodhouse, you need to. Just, you, you, you need to. He was a prolific writer and created some classic characters that cannot be missed. Hopefully you have heard of Jeeves and Wooster, his famous duo. He, he wrote many novels and short stories featuring this pair, uh, the bumbling young aristocrat Bertie Wooster and his highly competent valet Jeeves. Leave It to Smith, however, is not a Jeeves and Wooster novel, but it features another one of Woodhouse's distinctive characters, Ronald Smith. Now, Woodhouse wrote four novels featuring Smith, Leave It to Smith is the last of these, and in the earlier novels, the character's first name is Rupert, uh, but it mysteriously changed to Ronald in this last book, probably because another character is already named Rupert in this story, so that's probably the reason. Anyway, Smith, whatever his first name is, he spells his last name P-S-M-I-T-H, but the P is silent. He, he felt that adding the letter P elevated his otherwise ordinary last name. Uh, yes, he, he is a delightful 
character, as you can probably already tell. But I'm already ahead of myself. I'm not going to say too much about P.G. Woodhouse's own life, both for the sake of time and because there's actually a lot you can say about his life, and I, I can't begin to get into all of it. So suffice it to say, he was obviously a British writer. He was born in 1881 and lived for almost a whole century. He passed away in 1975. His full name, since we seem to have a theme of interesting names in this episode, his full name was Sir Pelham Grenville Woodhouse. I don't think I'd ever heard of the first name Pelham before, so that's, you know, you learn something new every day. Anyway, he didn't marry until 1914 when he was in his 30s, and he married Ethel Newton, who had already been married and widowed twice. Um, but her marriage to Woodhouse lasted for over 60 years until he passed away first and she outlived him, lived to be 99. So they both lived long lives. For the last 30 years or so of Woodhouse's life, he and Ethel moved to America and lived there, and he gained dual British-American citizenship. So while we Americans can't really claim Woodhouse, uh, he did at least choose to spend the last decades of his life here, for what that's worth. So uh, back to his works. His four novels featuring Smith, with a silent P, were scattered over several years. The first was one of his fairly early publications in 1909, um, and the last, Leave it to Smith, was published in 1923. I might note that Woodhouse truly owed a debt to Jerome K. Jerome, whose comic style influenced later British humorists like Woodhouse. And in fact, in one of the Smith novels titled uh, Smith in the City, Woodhouse uh, nods to three men in a boat specifically. He, he references one of Jerome's anecdotes about a plaster of Paris trout, which several different fishermen claim as a real catch of their own. Now, uh, the fourth and last Smith novel, Leave it to Smith, is noteworthy because it incorporates some of Woodhouse's other settings and characters which he had developed outside of the Smith books. He liked to intertwine some of his people and places between his many novels like that. So the story is mostly set at Blanding's Castle, uh, which almost has its own um, saga of books, if you will, in the Woodhouse canon. But the plot of Leave it to Smith, it's classic Woodhouse. Several people are in trouble and need some scheme to get themselves out of trouble, which will invariably go wrong in many ways. Specifically, various people need money in this story. And so young Freddie Threepwood comes up with the idea of stealing his own aunt's necklace getting the insurance money for it, and then surreptitiously giving it back to her. Not a great idea, of course, um, but he and his uncle hatch this plot together. But neither of them wants to do the deed themselves, and that is where Smith, with a silent P, comes in. He is looking for work, 
any work at all that does not involve fish, because he's been in the fish business and he can't stand it. So he gladly accepts the charge of stealing Freddy's aunt's necklace. But of course, complications arise on top of complications. Smith poses as a Canadian poet, Ralston McTodd, who is expected to visit Blanding's castle soon, but Smith has inside information indicating that McTodd does not plan to come after all so he can pretend to be the poet himself. However, Smith is not the only one who comes up with the idea of posing as McTodd, so that gets awkward. And there are more false identities than just this one, which keeps things interesting. Um, and of course, there's a dash of comic romance in the mix with Smith and a young lady named Eve Halliday being thrown together in the course of the story. And so misunderstandings, miscommunication, uh, accidents, both fortuitous and not fortuitous, <laughs> continually develop in true uh, Woodhousean fashion, if that's a word. It's a, a delightful riot, and Smith is a delightful character in the center of it all, making sure everything goes right in the end, despite all the mischances throughout. He is an interesting character. He's almost a little like a cross between Jeeves and Worcester. Um, he's quirky uh, and droll, a bit like Bertie, but he's highly intelligent and well-versed in language and literature like Jeeves. So he really becomes a, a wonderful creation all his own. Now, you might be wondering why I'm recommending this Smith with a Silent P novel specifically. Well, it's uh, the only Smith novel I have read, even though it is the last of the four books. Um, although it's connected to the other three books through the main character, Leave It to Smith is a standalone story, so you don't need any background to read it on its own. I read this novel specifically just because it was highly recommended to me by some friends who know my sense of humor and knew I would enjoy it, and I think they learned about it because it happened to be available on audio via a podcast they listen to, the Classic Tales podcast by B.J. Harrison. So this podcast is basically like a series of audiobooks. B.J. Harrison just reads aloud various short stories and novels in his weekly episodes, and he's a great narrator, a great comic narrator, and so he did Leave It to Smith earlier this year. And it's still available, I believe, if you're interested in listening to Leave It to Smith. You can find it narrated over 10 um, hour-length episodes in the 2020 uh, March, April, May archives of the Classic Tales podcast. So there you have it. Obviously, I am recommending these books, not as novels that offer much you can actually learn from in a serious way and apply to your life, but just as wonderful examples of classic British humor, which, if you're anything like me, will amuse you to no end and provide a lovely respite from the, uh, the intensity of life right now. They're both ridiculous and whimsical books, and so if you're looking for something light, and uplifting to read before we quite wrap up this crazy summer, 
either of these books would fit the bill very well. Thank you so much for listening today, and again, thank you for your patience with the delay in releasing the episode. If you have a favorite Woodhouse novel or another book that showcases the best of British comedy, I would love to hear about it. You can send me your comments or recommendations at kittywam at gmail.com, or you can message me online through Facebook or Instagram. Also, if you have enjoyed my podcast, I hope you subscribe and rate and review Unknown Friends, and share it with your friends if you think they would enjoy my book reviews as well. Next week for episode 16, I hope you join me for a discussion of the book Dandelion Wine by, believe it or not, Ray Bradbury, the author of Fahrenheit 451. Uh, Dandelion Wine is a very different work, but it's timely in that it is a story about summer. And so I wanted to share it with you before we quite leave our summer behind this year. So tune in again next Wednesday and have a great week until then.